Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So Jesus says again in verse 20, I stand at the door knock, and if anyone hears my voice, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him and dine with him and he with me. Notice in this letter that Jesus is not just speaking to the entire church as a, as a whole, but to individuals within the church, and to anyone for that matter, because he uses words like, if anyone hears my voice. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. In our study today, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. This statement of Jesus expresses a profound mystery. Why did Jesus stand outside the door? Why did he knock? Why did he wait until someone opens the door? He had every right to break down the door or enter some other way on his own accord, but he didn't. The sovereign, omnipotent, Jesus lowered himself to work out his eternal plan by wooing the cooperation of the human heart. Now let's join Pastor Rob for the conclusion of the letters to the churches. To literally turn 180 degrees, think differently, to think differently. And some people, you know, they have to, including myself, I've gone through many lessons over and over again And I need to go through them again because I'm not repenting or I haven't repented. And I have to go through the same lesson over and over again. And you know, God is patient, you know. Believe it or not, when I was in kindergarten, they actually held me back. And if my mother's watching uh, this morning, she'll probably laugh at this. But And she remembers because uh, (laughs) when I was in kindergarten, uh, I would run out the door as soon as as class started uh, there in Flint, Michigan. I would go into the class, and as soon as the teacher turned her back, I would bolt out the door, and she didn't even know I was missing for a while. And finally, she called my mother, and I was playing in a playground across the street from our house, so my mother was at work, and um, they had no idea that I was missing for quite a while. And so they actually had to hold me back another year because I was too immature for kindergarten. So... I was too immature for kindergarten. Can you believe that? So they actually held me back. I had to go through it again because of my immaturity. So that's kind of fun to think about. But there are consequences, right? And God is patient. And if we have to go through the same lesson over and over again, believe me, He's in it. Uh, We don't like it, but He is very, very patient. And there is always a consequence for a lack of repentance. And a lack of repentance is disobedience. It is disobedience. And the Lord loves us enough to tell us the truth. 
Notice in verse 20, Jesus says to this church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. You know, if we were to compare this church with what we just read last week in the church of Philadelphia, remember what the, what the Lord did for the church in Philadelphia. He said, see, and this is Revelation 3 verse uh, 8, he says, see, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. But yet when he comes to Laodicea, he has to knock on the door. And the idea is that he's knocking for admittance. But they are not letting him in. They don't even know him. And even if they do know him, they, they lack such spiritual fervency and, and they're, they're so lackadaisical and they're so uh, unconcerned that they don't really care that they don't even hear the door knocking. And even if they do, they don't want to get up and open the door. Jesus in Luke's Gospel, this is Luke chapter 12, verse 34 Jesus speaking to his disciples, he said, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. And any servant, as they would wait for their master, and as the master would come home and the master would knock on the door, the servants would immediately open the door for their master. You know, and Jesus would go on later on in that same chapter in Luke 12 and verse 42, and he said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over all this house to give him their portion of food in due season? And, um, and Jesus goes on, he says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say that, you will, that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and to be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. You notice the grace in that? For everyone to whom much is given, for him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, to him they will ask the more. And see, this is one thing that the church of Laodicea, was not, that they didn't have any works. You know, they weren't being a good steward over things. And Jesus had to come and knock on the door. He should never have to knock on the door of any church. The church door should be wide open for him more than anything else to do what he pleases, to do what he wants. And so it's an unfortunate thing. And even today, some churches are like that. You know, are you open to the Lord? Are you open to what he wants to do in your life? It's important to let him have access to all of you, to all of you. So Jesus says again in verse 20, I stand at the door knock, and if anyone hears my voice, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him and dine with him and he with me. Notice in this letter that Jesus is not just speaking to the entire church as a, as a whole, but to individuals within the church, and to anyone for that matter, because he uses words like, if anyone hears my voice, are you one of those anyones? Are you listening to the voice of the Lord? Do you know his voice? Jesus in John chapter 10, what did he say? He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I love the fact that our salvation is secure because of the one who gives it to us. 
You know, does the Lord have your ear? Does He have your ear? If the Lord doesn't have your ear, then what are you giving your ear to? What are you giving your attention, your thoughts? Are you giving it to Fox News? Are you giving it to CNN? Are you giving it to Hannity, to Rush Limbaugh, to MSNBC, the New York Times? You name it. It doesn't matter what end of the spectrum you're talking about. Where are you giving your ear? Because if your ear is focused on those things predominantly, you are going to be in a different spot than where the Lord would have you to be. It's more important to listen to Him. Listen to Him. For any news that you listen to, read the Bible twice as much and you'll be in a much better spot because it is important how you hear. Jesus said even in Luke chapter 8, he says to his disciples after speaking a parable to them, he says, therefore, take heed how you hear. There's a big difference there. How you hear. Not what you're hearing, but how you hear it. What lens are you hearing through? Are you hearing it through the worldview of the liberal media and, and, and those who are on the far left? And, and those who are bent on a one-world uh, government and a, a, a one-world order, a new world order, are you listening to that? Or are you listening to the Lord? It's important. And it's a funny thing because we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And that 18 inches from your ear to your heart, some people take a lifetime for that knowledge, that understanding to get from here down to here. Sometimes a lifetime. May it not be true of us. I want what comes into my ears from the Word of God to go directly and deposit in my heart. And that's what I would desire. Maybe you desire the same thing. I hope you do. Because it is healthy for us. It is good for us to do that. To listen to the Lord's voice and to open the door. In Psalm 95, uh, the, the writer of Psalm says, Today, if you will hear His voice... Do not harden your heart as in the day, as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my works. And then obviously the psalmist is speaking about the rebellion of the children of Israel while they were in the desert after they had come out of Egypt and how they tested the Lord. And, and David is saying the same thing here in Psalm 95. Don't harden your heart as in the rebellion, when they were rebellious. Don't be anything like them. Get your heart soft before the Lord and say, Lord, soften my heart with oil. Isn't that one of the songs we'd sing? Soften my heart with oil. Open my eyes to see. Give me uh, understanding. Open my heart to believe. And at the end of verse 20 here, he says, "Then, then I will come into him and dine with him. And having a meal in that day, in this culture, even still in the Middle East and the Near East, whenever you would share a meal with somebody, it was an intimate thing. It wasn't like just everybody gathering around the table like it can be. But, you know, uh, gatherings around food uh, often in, in bigger families, they're, they're really wonderful. And I would encourage you to do that because it is such an, it, there's such a wonderful intimacy and it's something that we're getting farther away from. Everybody gathering around the table, the whole family gathering around the table and sitting there for more than just scoffing down the food and going your separate ways, but talking to each other, seeing how each other's doing. And that's what it was. Uh, that's the kind of culture that they were living in at this time. And it's still the same culture over there today. Very hospitable. And when you share a meal with somebody, you're, you're, it's, a, it's a very intimate thing. And it was a really sweet thing. And so Jesus, notice, is inviting them, even in their decrepitness, even in their wretchedness, He's saying, I still love you. He's not angry. He's not like um, wanting to, to, you know, even though He would spew them out of His mouth, it doesn't mean that He's done with them. 
If he was done with them, he would just pass judgment on them. But he says, no, you're a mess. (laughs) But I still love you and I want you to come to me. And for any one of us listening, that's a good thing. If you need to come to him, come to him. Don't waste any time. Don't waste any more of your time in trying to find yourself and trying to get it right. If you try to fix yourself up before you come to Christ, you'll never come because you'll never fix yourself up good enough. Come to the Lord with all of your all of your mess, all of your pimples, all of your ticks, <laughs> everything that you've got that's ugly and that you're ashamed of. You don't have to be ashamed to come to the Lord. You come to Him and He says, if you come to me, I will come and I'll dine with you and I'll make my abode with you. Isn't that what he says? Isn't that his heart? If you've heard of Jesus' heart being anything other than that, then you're probably going to a wrong church. (laughs) Because if the church is not, if the pastor of any church is saying that God is done with you and he's angry with you, and if you don't give enough money, then we're going to, you know, boom, 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 and whatever it is, that's nonsense. It's nonsense. It's not about money. It's not about anything but your relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, and that is the, the foundation of it all. Out of that comes everything else. And it's wonderful and beautiful when it's unrestricted and, and, it's, and it's not held down and, and, and put a, a cover is not put on it. It's such a wonderful thing to be a child of God. And you know what? The world looks at us and they think we're just crazy. You know? And, and you know, everybody's different. Everybody has a different personality. And some people go a little over the top. And you know what? That's okay. You know, I'd rather see somebody a little over the top in their excitement and their zeal than seeing somebody walk around like a sourpuss, like they've been um, nursing lemons. You know, it it just doesn't make sense. We ought to be joyful. Where is our joy, church? We need our joy. We need to come back to the Lord. We need to come back to Him. So verse 21, it says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit. With me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. And so how is it that we overcome? There are at least three ways that we can see in Scripture. The first one is by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. The second one is by the word of our testimony. And the third is our faith in Jesus Christ. And you might want to write these verses down. There's just two of them, but it encompasses those three at the very least. This is how we overcome. The first one is in Revelation chapter 12. Verse 11, and it says this, Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him, and this is speaking of the saints in the tribulation period uh, overcoming the devil and, and Satan. The, those people, those saints who survived in, uh, the, the tribulation period, um, who went into that, that period, who got saved somewhere in the middle there, they, they were overcomers. It says, and they overcame him, Uh, speaking of Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. To the death. I love that. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, it says this. This is the other thing. This is another method by which we overcome. John says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith, your faith is more precious than gold. It's more precious than anything this world has to offer. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Love that. Love that. 
Notice what he says too. Not, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, or on my throne. Um, Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 28, uh, speaking to his disciples, he said this, He said, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the regeneration, the regeneration is speaking about the thousand-year reign of Christ, the, the millennial reign as we call it, the, the time, the period after the great tribulation period that's coming, that's coming yet future to the world, the time after that great tribulation period. Remember, the church is going to be removed in the rapture of the church before the great tribulation period, and then Jesus comes back with us to the earth in His second coming, and that begins the millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years. And there's a lot more to that story, actually not even to that story, but to that truth of what we know to be true in the Word of God than what we have time to go into today. But notice, Jesus said, I tell you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So the twelve apostles, and I don't believe that's Judas, but I believe it's probably the Apostle Paul. In fact, uh, one final verse, and then we'll finish here. Actually, two verses. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, he said this. He says, Do you not know that we shall judge angels? And obviously, Paul is speaking of, uh, an, uh, the, uh, of angelic beings in the thousand-year reign of Christ, when we are resurrected in our new bodies that we will have. You can read 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Read those passages because what I'm telling you is truth. And it may sound kind of crazy, but it's there. It's there for us. And you can read it for yourself. And notice finally what Jesus says in Revelation 20, verse 4. Uh, John, uh, speaking here, says, I saw thrones and they sat on them. And judgment was committed to them. And then I saw, uh, and, and, and he's speaking about these, uh, these thrones and those who sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And he says, Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and they reigned with Christ for what? A thousand years. There it is again. So Jesus is saying here to this church in this final verse, He says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. How practically is He going to do that? I don't know, and I don't even care. The fact that He's going to allow it is exciting, and that's all that really matters to me. So finally, He ends this letter, and we'll end here. He who has an ear. Do you have an ear this morning? I think we all do. We have two ears. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So even though this letter was written to this specific church in Laodicea, I believe Jesus was prophesying also of the, of the last church age, the last church of the age, of the church age, before he returns for us in the rapture. And I believe we are in those days, folks. I believe we are in those days. And I'm not alone. There are many pastors, many brothers in Christ who have studied the Word of God for years, old men who have been in it for a long time. They all concur. We live in this time right now, and we are close to the end. And the signs are all around us, and it's foolish for us not to wake up and listen. 
I would, I would encourage you, just as Jesus said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. The idea is hear with a sense of doing something. Don't just hear and let it go in one ear and out the other. You must do something with what we read today. You must do something. I must do something with what I just read. And I want it to take deep root into my heart. I want it to be rooting and, and, and blossoming and, and I can share it with others. And I need to tell them because God loves them. And I don't you love people? I mean, really, if you think about it, we're really no different. We all desire the same things. We all want the same things. We all want peace. We all want to be fed. We all want rest. We all want to be accepted. We want to be loved. These are the, the core essentials of being a human being. And God put it all there. And yet we, we try to find it in other areas, in other places, through different mediums, through different drugs and different experiences. And God is saying, everything that you need is in me. Isn't that what he said? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Let the Lord touch your heart today. And I pray that if you're feeling the sting of this a little bit, that's probably a good thing. If this doesn't apply to you, praise the Lord. But I can tell you that it applies to me. As I read this, again, being the first partaker of what I'm sharing with you today, it was hitting me right between the eyes. And I recognize, Lord, I need you more than ever. I need your spirit to reside upon me. I know you're in me, but Lord, come upon me in, in, the, in, the, in the fire of your holiness. Not in some kind of weirdness that you see on television. True spirituality, true baptism of the Spirit of God is is wonderful. It's beautiful. There's peace. There's not somebody screaming at you. See, the, the world has it all backwards, and even some Christians have it backwards. There was, no, there was no more spiritual of a man than Jesus Christ, and you don't see him acting like an idiot, <laughs> like some people you see them doing. And, I, and I'm, yes, I did say idiot, and because some people can act like that. They, 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 get, they get weird, and they just act like idiots. But God is not an idiot, and he was the most spirit-filled man. He was and is God in the flesh. And being the case, he was the most loving, the most approachable, the most gracious, the most compassionate, the most loving person that ever walked the earth. And what did he get as a result? They said, crucify him. Because they were jealous of him, they hated him because he exposed the darkness in their heart. Let this expose the darkness of our heart. And hopefully he will expose any darkness within our own fellowship. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would touch our lives. God, individually, remove any of the things that we have read this morning. Lord, that have really you've really put a finger on some things in my own heart. And I know that probably everybody else as well, Father. But Lord, help us not to walk away in condemnation. Lord, that's never your heart. But Lord, to walk away, certainly convicted, but convicted out of love because you know your love for us. And so, Lord, would you please love us and, and help us to understand that, Lord, you love us so much, Lord, that you uh, sometimes allow us to go through difficulty and you sometimes will tell us where we're going wrong because you love us. So very simply put, Lord, we ask you to do whatever you want to do in us individually and whatever you want to do in us corporately as a church. Would you please begin to unfold it even now? Set us on track, set us on course, put us on the narrow path and help us never to look to the side, to the left or to the right, but to be looking straight ahead at you and following you, Lord. So we ask you to do this and we know that you will 
And Lord, we bend, we, we yield our will to you, God. And we ask that you would do this work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.